for our sins. So we're in Romans chapter number 1. We looked at 16, 17, and 18 last time. So Paul beginning this section of the book of Romans, and I say section, that's just kind of how I've divided it up. But it's all one book, it's all one epistle, it's all dealing with the salvation of man. And the section on sin, and really the, the first thing that a man has to realize is the sinfulness of his own self. And if a man or a woman never comes to the realization that they're a sinner, and this is said often, but really think on it, let it sink in, if the realization that a man is a sinner never comes, he will never in the slightest bit be interested in coming to Christ Jesus for salvation. So in the order of uh, the history of this world as God laid it out, the first that was given, Jesus didn't come first. The law came first. And the temple came first. And the sacrifices. And all of these was to show man that man might come to the understanding and the knowledge that he's a sinner. And that's where the Holy Ghost through the hand of Paul, starts in the first chapter of Romans. And we'll read. We'll start back in 16 and just quickly review. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. So we've had a revelation all through the Old Testament. The law was a revelation of the righteousness of God. But in the gospel and through the Son, Jesus Christ, we have a fuller revelation of God of His righteousness, and of His anger towards sin. And I might get ahead of myself just a little, but I think this is the perfect place to read in Acts chapter 17, verse 30. So he's talking about the Gentile world, the paganism, the idol worship. And in verse 30, and the times of this ignorance God winked at. So there was a time that God, and I'm not going to say overlooked, I'm not going to say that God didn't punish, but there wasn't the understanding and the knowledge of the wrath of God towards sin and of God's righteousness throughout the world. The Jews had a great knowledge and maybe a select few around Israel and Jerusalem associated with them. They had some knowledge. But for the most part now, the rest of the world had no understanding of God or of His power. And in their minds, their gods was just as good, just as mighty, just as authoritative as the God of heaven that the Jews worshipped. So there was a time, the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now. So what's happened? Jesus has been sacrificed. 
He is resurrected and the Holy Ghost has fell upon the apostles and the believers and the gospel has begun to be preached. You know, maybe, maybe some might argue and say, well, that wasn't that much of a change because you've said there was preaching in the Old Testament and there was. The Scripture preached to Abraham when Abraham was alive and God spoke to Noah and God spoke to, to many others. But Jesus Himself says that the law and the prophets were until John. And from that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. So with John the Baptist and Jesus, the method of God's revelation to man was changed. You see that? It's now, now the means that God reveals and makes Himself known unto man is through the gospel of His Son Jesus Christ and the preaching of the Word of God. And now God commandeth all men everywhere, not just the Jew, not just the Gentile, but God seeking for every man and woman to repent to the preaching of the gospel. And it's not a maybe, it's not a if you feel like it, it's not how, uh, a however you feel and what you think's right, but God commands all men to repent because, why is God commanding man to repent? Because He hath appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained. So God has a day the day is set, the day is fixed, the day is unchangeable, in which the whole world is going to be judged by the standard of Jesus Christ. And those that have not repented, does anybody think there's any way that anybody that's ever lived is going to measure up to the standard of Jesus Christ? There's no way. So those that have not repented, they will not measure up and they will be. We, we've already got you, people like prophecy and speaking of the future. We've got prophecy that those that are not in the book of life are going to be cast into the lake of fire. You want to know the future? The future is those that do not repent are going to be cast into hell fire forever and ever. So God commands now for all men everywhere to repent in the name of Jesus Christ that they might escape this judgment and wrath of God to come. How's man supposed to know that? Well, this is Acts 17 where I've been reading. This is Paul. And Paul's preaching the gospel at Mars Hill. So these people that may not have been aware of this through the preaching of the gospel, they're made aware of who God is. They're made aware of His power and His authority. They're made aware of His righteousness and of the judgment to come. And they are commanded by the gospel to repent. And so it is this power of God unto salvation. You know, people say, well, God's got all power. He does. God can save by any means. And I say that God can. Greg said many times that God spoke to Peter through a rooster and God spoke to um, Balaam 
through his ass that he was riding on. God could speak any way he wanted to speak. Jesus said, if I hush these people up, the stones would cry out glory to my name. But God chose the gospel to be his means of redeeming mankind and bringing them into salvation. So to everyone that believeth, Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So he's quoting here, and we mentioned last time, this is out of the book of Habakkuk, and it's quoted many times. But this idea of faith being the means of being acceptable to God, this wasn't something the apostles sat down with in the upper room and decided on. It wasn't a council that came up with this doctrine. This is out of the Old Testament. God said in the Old Testament that you cannot be justified by the law, but them that are just, that are declared right with God, that they will live by faith and not by the works of the law. Not a new doctrine in the apostles' days. It was the message from the very beginning. When God told Adam and Eve and the serpent, through the seed of a woman, one's going to come and crush the serpent's head. You know what they were going on? They were believing that God was going to send somebody to crush the head of the serpent. And I've said this before, when Cain was born, Eve rejoiced and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And perhaps she thought this could be the one that's going to deliver us out of this mess that I've got us into. Now it wasn't, but I believe it shows that they had faith and were looking for some help in delivering. But man in his foolishness, man always begins to believe that he's able. Man believes he's able today. Man believes he's good enough. Man thinks he's good enough today. Man thinks he don't need salvation. All of this, this is all the natural state of mankind. It's just like the newborn that comes fresh out of the womb and they come out having not seen anything the entire time that they were in the womb, but they come out and they know how to latch on and eat. You know what that is? That's instinct and nature. Well, you know man, mankind, their instinct and nature is to believe that they're alright and that they're good enough and that they're not really bad and they don't need saved. You know what's going to resolve that problem? The gospel. The gospel is there to reveal God's true righteousness and to reveal His wrath and anger and judgment of sin. I've said this before as well. If a speeding ticket was $5 and your insurance did not go up, nobody would obey the speed limit. We'd get pulled over, get a ticket, pay $5, and we'd go right on speeding. The, the penalty is not harsh enough. Look at the harshness of the penalty. I mean, $250 plus my insurance going up, that's enough to keep my foot off the accelerator. What about the judgment that's awaiting those that are lost and undone, the judgment of hellfire and torments 
forever and ever, is that not a harsh enough judgment that would make man to consider that he ought to repent? But now ain't it something? Man's not worried about hell either. That's how blind that the mind and the heart of mankind is. And if you're saved, you know it as well. When you were lost, you were not in the least bit concerned about hell. No fear whatsoever. You know what was needed? The gospel needed to reveal that to your heart. And if you're saved, it was the gospel that did that. So, the wrath of God is revealed because, we'll, we'll move on to verse 19 now, because the, that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So it's manifest. That which may be known of God is manifest, shining or apparent. For God hath shewed it. He has rendered it apparent. You know, when you're coming up on a lane closure for road work, they've got six signs that have to be out. They've got a message board that's flashing. They've got an arrow board that's flashing. And they've got orange cones that reflect light that are delineating the work area. You know what all that is? That's to render apparent that there's people in the road working. Don't run them over. They're doing all that they can to make it apparent. Well, God has rendered apparent the knowledge and understanding of who He is through the preaching of the gospel. God hath shewed it unto them. He's revealed Himself through the preaching of the Word of God. In Hebrews He says this. Chapter 1 verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. How did God speak? In the Old Testament, God spoke in visions. God spoke by mouth to Moses. God spoke uh, in dreams to the prophets. And the prophets went and spoke to the children of Israel. Jeremiah was given a word from the Lord and Jeremiah took that and spoke it to Israel. Isaiah saw a vision from the Lord. And Isaiah went and spoke that to the children of Israel. That's the method and the means that God spoke to people in the Old Testament. Not anymore. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. God speaks to man today through the work of His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's much more personal. The gospel is much more personal than a message from a prophet. Because, and we are going to get ahead of ourselves here, but we're talking about God manifesting. And all of this we're going over, we get more detail in later on in the book. But in chapter 10 of Romans, verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. 
The Gospel's got a, a method that no other means has ever had before. The prophet spoke and it fell on ears. But you know the Gospel, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has power to pierce not just my ears and into my hearing, but through the Spirit it can pierce into my heart and into my mouth. Tell me what I ought to do and what I ought to say in the inward man. The truth. Now you may have to chew on this. I don't even have to think, okay, what do I need to do with this information? Maybe when you hear something taught, you think, okay, how do I need to, what do I need to do to get myself to compliance? with what's being said here. With the gospel, by the Spirit, you don't have to think about it. God reveals and manifests and renders apparent you're a sinner and you ought to repent. Did it take you a week to figure that out, Chris? Didn't me either. But in a moment, ain't that something? What did that? The gospel did that. God rendered apparent to you your individual need with regards to Him and His righteousness and wrath. God revealed that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, by the power of the gospel. He rendered it apparent. But now, does this mean that man is off the hook without the gospel? No. There's other revelations of God. There's great revelations of God outside of the Gospel. Now, we're going to see just how pitiful and helpless that mankind is outside of God's intervention through preaching. We've got religious groups today trying to reveal God through all different means. But man, who is blinded by Satan, is unable to see and understand God through anything outside of the power of the gospel and the dealing of the Holy Ghost. Listen. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. So invisible things, God is invisible to the natural eye. He can't be seen. He can't be perceived. We can't feel Him. We don't hear Him. But you know what we've got? Through the creation and the things that He's made, there's a revelation of just how mighty and powerful and authoritative that God is. And I'm not going to get hung up on all of it. But we've got a, a ball of fire outside of our atmosphere that we know has burned for at least 6,000 years by the timeline of the Bible. Our world would say hundreds of millions, maybe even billions of years that that ball of fire has burned. Now what amount of fuel would it take? You think about a heater that's going to heat your bedroom on a 20-pound propane bottle, how long is that bottle going to last heating just your bedroom? But there's a ball of fire now that's heating not a bedroom, 
but the entire earth day after day after day and it never goes out and it's never been refilled. God put it there. God said for it to burn and there it burns. God set the earth and the planets to orbit that. He set them on a course. They're still on course today. And they're so accurate that you know how we tell our time? By the movement of the earth around the sun. It's always the same. We have leap year to adjust it because our time's not exactly fitting. But every four years there's a leap year to bring us right back in order. You know what all that is? And we could go on. You could go on forever. At the revelation of God, that's just in the creation. God's revealed the power He's got. He told Job, He said, were you there when I founded the earth? You know, when we found something, we dig down. We've got to get to something solid to build on. What did God found the earth on? I mean, it's in the midst of nothing. There's no natural means there. We're talking about power that man cannot understand. God's revealed in the creation. And the God's truth is, in the creation and in the things that God's made, we are without excuse. Should I not be able to look at Spring Creek that I know has run for 33 years and say, what is it that causes that to continually flow. And you know, many of the gods all through the Old Testament, they're worshiping things that are made. You know why that is? Because that man recognizes that that's a far greater power than what he is. God can bring in a storm. God can bring an earthquake. There's all manner of exposing the power, the ability, and the authority of God that man can do nothing to stop. He can't prevent it. He can't hinder the work of God. Do you not think man ought to be able to look at what God's made and say there's a being that's greater than what we are? But look at what the creation has become to man. Look how blind man is that he can look at what God has made and not see God in it. I mean, just a few things that we've spoke about, and yet, man can't look at that and see God. So, the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, revealing a power behind all of it, that must be. Now, academics and learned men can explain most of that away with fancy words and theories and what, what they call a theory. Now, our academics, they know it's unfounded and they can't prove any of it and that's why they call it a theory. But now it's taught as fact, and the only means to explain the way all things were created 
But all things had to come from somewhere. God is clearly seen and understood in the creation, but man is so blinded, he can't see God. So if man's going to see God, something else has got to come, correct? In John chapter 1 verse 18, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. To consider out loud. To unfold. Jesus came to unfold God, not in an outward representation. How, how blind is man? I, I heard one time a preacher preaching that we ought to pray for Christmas miracles and healings that would make people realize that God is still in control. That sounds wonderful. Sounds like a great idea to the flesh. But you know Jesus went to the tomb of a man that had been dead four days and brought him out of there alive and took the grave clothes off of him and still people didn't believe. That's how blind that man is. They come to see, not Jesus, but the man that was dead and now is alive. Man's hopeless. But Jesus came to unfold God, God's righteousness, God's wrath. He came to unfold it effectually. And I mean that living alive to the inward man that would overcome the blindness that the devil has put on the heart and the mind of man. But know this now, even without preaching, well, how can God hold people guilty that's not heard preaching? I've heard that, and I've heard, well, everybody's going to hear preaching before they die. Was that the truth in the Old Testament? It was not. And it's not today either. Even without preaching... Man is without excuse. That's what the Word of God says. He's revealed in the things that are made. And he says in Psalms that the heavens declare His glory. His handiwork and the things that He's made. Mankind is left in a place without excuse today at this moment. It's true. That's the Bible. So in John chapter 15, we can get even closer than that. So now if, if the creation and the things that are made declares God to a place that man has no excuse, then what's the gospel leave man at? John 15 verse 22, If I had not came and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. A, a fuller revelation. And well, God don't give some people a fuller revelation than others. Jesus said with His own words that He did. Jesus said if Sodom and Gomorrah had the opportunity that Bethsaida had, they would have repented. So they, there is a lot to unpack in those few words 
But let's just unpack this and leave it. That Bethsaida and Chorazin had a greater opportunity. They had a fuller revelation and they had a greater teaching of God than Sodom, Gomorrah, Tyre, and Sidon had. We've got that by the words of Jesus Christ. And also the doctrine of, well, God saw we would repent and that's why He called us. That knocks that out too. Because Jesus saw that Sodom would repent. And yet they didn't have that opportunity. How merciful that God is to us that we have the opportunity that we have. That should not be taken lightly. I'm sorry that it is, but that's the nature of man. The opportunity to have a fuller revelation of God. Know this, that the majority of our world don't have this opportunity that you have. You're blessed with a greater opportunity than the majority of our world has. But that leaves us in a place where we don't have a cloak. I mean, if that pagan man worshiping Buddha in China or worshiping cattle in India and we snigger and laugh at it, they've not had nowhere near the opportunity we've got. And if they're guilty and without excuse, where are we at that God's revealed through the Gospel His Son Jesus? Where does that leave us? You think we're guilty? Oh, we've got no cloak whatsoever for our sin. No excuse whatsoever for the revelation that God's gave and the fact that we've done nothing with that. So that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. A lot going on here as well. Because that when they knew God to be aware of, to understand, or to know, here was a people that God had, as He says in the previous verses, made Himself apparent to their eyes. What did they know? Well, what do you know? What happens when man dies? It's appointed unto man once to die and after this. We all know that. How do we know that? Well, it's revealed in the Word of God. If God did not reveal that, we wouldn't know it, would we? Who is sinners? Everybody? Do we all believe that everybody is sinful? It's revealed. Is there a means for me to escape the judgment and the wrath of God? We know that as well, don't we? So they knew God, but they glorified Him not as God. Glorify to esteem or to render glorious. To esteem God in His proper glory. And the word God there, it's the Greek word theos, 
Same word we get theology from. It means the supreme divinity. You know what God is? He is the supreme authority, ruler, king, divinity. He has authority and rule and reign over all things and over all men and over all races. So God reveals to man and they come to a knowledge of God. They know Him. But they don't glorify Him as God. They don't put Him in His proper place and recognize Him as being the supreme authority over all things. Now why is that? In John chapter 3, I believe we've got some explanation as to why God is not exalted in His rightful place. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. Now let's, let's tie it all together. What's Jesus talking about to Nicodemus? The light that's in the world. Light, he says in another place, maybe it's Ephesians, whatsoever doth make manifest to render apparent is light. So Jesus is saying that God has turned the light on, figuratively speaking, in the inward part of man that man might know God, know sin, and know His wrath. We all know it. It's been revealed. It's been made apparent. But these glorified Him not. Why? Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You want to know continually what the problem with the gospel is. It's not the judgment. We think there's people that ought to be judged. It's not hell. We think there's people that ought to burn in hell. It's not that Jesus died for us. Well, that's a message of joy. And we celebrate Christmas and Easter every year. We've got no problems with any of that. You know what the problem is? It's that I'm evil. That's where we run into the objection to the gospel because I'm the one that needs to be saved I'd rather stay in darkness as to hear that. I'd rather not repent. I'd rather not come and pray and admit to all of you and to God Himself that I'm a sinner. I'd rather stay where I'm at. So when I don't respond to God's call, I'm not giving Him the proper glory that He deserves. I'm not being obedient. I'm not following His Word. I'm not fearing His judgment. And I'm not recognizing His power. They glorified Him not as God. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, same thing. The natural condition of man. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You know who gets the glory and is esteemed as number one and who's exalted? You are. You don't want to bow down to God and give Him glory as being supreme. No, we've got to appear as being the top dog continually. And we give ourselves, we love ourselves. We love us more than God. 
I mean, God came down from heaven and was born in a manger and was hung on a cross, beaten, beard plucked out, crown of thorns on his head, nailed there, naked, before all of the world that was there in Jerusalem to see. And it was the Passover, and all the Jews were there. It was a full house in Jerusalem. Yes. It was so full that there was no rooms in the inns. Remember? Same thing when he died as well. It was the Passover, and all the Jews come. And so, God came down to that place, and that's wonderful news. But for me to come down and pray, for me to come down and be a sinner, no, I'm not going to come there. Man's wanting glory for his own self instead of recognizing God as being the supreme divinity. They glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. What does God teach me? That in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. You know, we live by the will by the protection and by the power of Almighty God. At any moment, our health could fall out the bottom. At any moment, our ability could be no more. At any moment, our mind could be gone for the rest of our days. At any moment, we could fall dead. But we're here today, alive, in good health, with sound mind and understanding because God's allowed us to do that. But you know, we're, we could go even farther than that. God's gave us a wonderful family. God's provided for us. We all had a means to get here. We rode here, probably in heat. We probably had something pretty good to eat this morning. And if we didn't this morning, we're going to in just a little while. And God's blessed us, not just with something to cover our nakedness, but blessed us with things that cost more than what 90% of the world could, could afford with a month's pay. Look at what God has provided unto man, and man is not in the least bit thankful unto God. They didn't glorify Him as God Neither were they thankful for all that He had done for them. But you know, we bring it even closer than the natural and bring it on down into the spiritual that Jesus gave Himself as payment for our guilt and for our sin and we're not thankful. Oh, we're thankful. We're not thankful enough to come and bow down and say what we are and say what He is and exalt Him as being supreme, and us be decreased. We're not thankful enough to do that. Saying words, saying words is not worth five cents. God's desiring truth in the inward part. I can say I'm thankful for all of these things with my mouth. And it is said with the, with the mouth. And it's said often with the mouth. But there's no thanks towards God out of the depths of the heart of man. Man is ungrateful. He's self-willed. 
and he loves his own self. And man believes he's living by his power. Man believes he can do as he pleases. Man thinks he's got what he's got because he's worked for it with his own hands. And there's no thanks to God for any of it. No recognition of the supreme divinity that allowed it to be as it is today. No recognition of Him. In Habakkuk chapter 1, I believe we can see a great picture of it. Habakkuk chapter 1. Now here's a people that's blessed. Listen to what they're doing. Verse 15. They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their nets. They gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. They're fishermen. They're catching loads of fish. You know what that means? It means they got lots of money. The business is thriving. They're doing well and they're rejoicing. But what do they do? Therefore they sacrifice under their net. You know who gets the glory for it? The job. How often is it that the job and the workplace is exalted above God who gave it. It's true, isn't it? They sacrifice under their net and burn incense under their drag because by them their portion is fat. They think this is how I'm living. This has earned me the money. This is where I'm going to spend my time and adoration and effort with no recognition that God gave it all. And that at any moment, God can take it back. Unthankful towards God. Now they're worshiping the job more than they are God. They're, as he says in Romans, they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain. Now I realize vain, a lot of times it means empty. But here the word vain means to render or to become foolish. They became foolish in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So their imagination, discussion, consideration, or debate. So, now notice, what we're doing here is we're snowballing. We've started with a small one at the top of a hill and we bowled it down through there. And as it comes down the hill, it's growing bigger and bigger. Well, that's man. He started with sin and he started by having a revelation of God and glorifying Him not as God neither was thankful. Now we're snowballing to the place that they become vain, foolish, in their considerations. Now when we sit down and we're going to consider what we ought to do. We're going to consider how life ought to be. We're going to discuss and debate how I ought to, to, to move in my life in the future. My consideration now has left God completely out of the picture and I'm going to do what's best for me and not worry about God. He's become foolish in his imaginations. And now that he's considering 
He doesn't even consider God in His thinking, in His plans, or in His debate. Do you think that's dangerous? I'm tell- this is a picture of our outside world, but it's a picture in here too. There's people in here that's fell down this same course. And so they became vain in their foolish imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. So what made them become foolish? Silly. Stupid. What made them become that? By not glorifying God. Not responding to His Word. Not putting God in His rightful place as the supreme authority and divinity. That has resulted in their hearts becoming foolish. And now, when they sit down and consider and think and ponder... They're even farther from the truth. They're justified in their sin and in their doings. And their heart is getting darkened. The light and the revelation of God is getting dimmer inside of their heart. Well now, you can't say that the light of God gets dimmer. It doesn't. The sun doesn't get dimmer. But I can do this. And I can, I can see less now than I could. And if I close them completely, I'm in darkness. I, I can't see where I'm going. Even though the light of the sun is the same as it was with my eyes open, when I shut them, I can't see. You know what's happening to the heart? It's going blind. Man's rejecting God. Man's not willing to glorify God. He's not willing to put God in His place. And he's unwilling to repent. So his heart is getting darker. Calloused. You can look at it in a lot of ways. The Bible gives us many pictures to understand. It's getting fat. It's waxed gross. There's layers of fat building up. It's getting calloused like a man's hands where there's no feeling anymore. It's going dark. The eyes are being shut. And it's being rocked to sleep by the devil. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, the whole world lies in evil, in wicked. And the meaning there is to be asleep in wickedness. That's where man's at. He's unwilling to glorify God so his heart is getting darker and he's unable to see the revelation of God like he once did in Psalm 81. And I'm almost out of time and we'll stop right here. The 81st Psalm, verse number 12. Let's back up to 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Was there a revelation? Was there a voice? God was speaking to them, and they wouldn't hear, and they wouldn't repent. So I gave them up under their own heart's lusts, and they walked in their own counsels. Now if God 
has to open the heart of man to be able to see. Is that not how it works? Did God not open your heart and let you see your condition? If God has to open it, could He not close it back? You know what He done to Adam? He opened him up and He took a rib out. And God closed him back up too. You know what's happening here? God's revealed. God spoke. God's called. They wouldn't hearken. They would not attentively hear and obey. So God's gave them up. God said, I'm going to let you go. Go where? Where are they going? Well, here, man thinks, I'm going to go enjoy this life. But God, God stands back up on the throne and He sees the overall picture. You know where man's really going to go when the light goes out? Man's going to hell. That's the end result of the road and pathway that man is on. That's all that's on our heart. That's really not a great place to stop, but we will stop there. Anybody got anything you'd like to say, anything you'd like to add?